Welcome to the Passive CMO series podcast, where we discuss all things marketing and business development. My name is Willie. Um, today, we're going to be talking about culture, connection, and the evolving role of legal communications. Um, communications play an ever increasing role in managing the brand, the reputation of firms, as well as being central to the development and success of law firm culture. Today in this episode, um, we are going to look at why communications is becoming the linchpin of an effective legal marketing and BD function. Really excited, no better person uh, to discuss this with um, than Alan Schoenberg. He's the Chief Communications Officer at Vincent and Elkins. We're going to be unraveling his unconventional career journey, the firm's unique organisational structure, and the pivotal role in communications and how it, how it plays into um, the function of today's firms. Alan, welcome. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Thanks, Will. It's uh, it's great to be here. I, I did, uh, as uh, you and I talked about before, my daughter is at the University of Bristol, so I had a wonderful pizza Thanksgiving in Bristol. I enjoyed spend, spending time with my daughter, and it was a, it was a great reunion for both of us. Lovely and probably slightly different to normal. Um, Alan, you're in London at the moment, but you're actually you're actually based in New York, right? That's correct. Yes, because I know that um, with VNE, it's often not not known that there is a New York, New York office as well. New York presence. Yeah, we we have we actually have a uh, of a, a large office now in New York. Uh, it's, it's gone through tremendous growth in the last five to ten years have uh, well over 130 attorneys now covering really every every practice, uh, white collar crime, uh, private equity, um, uh, mergers and acquisitions, uh, taxes. So it's it's a it's a full service office by by every single measure. We're going to get on to now the, the main topic uh, of culture connection and the evolving role of legal comms. Now, a really interesting thing, and I know our listeners will like this because they always um, like it when we have guests on that have come at some point from outside of the legal sphere and industry. Um, you being one of them, Alan, you've had a very, very interesting route into Vincent Elkins and into law. Can you tell us a bit more about that career journey um, and where that's led to and, and your role now as Chief Communications Officer at v &E? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I definitely do not have the traditional legal job uh, arc. Um, you know, early on in my career, I was fortunate enough to work at two large PR agencies, Edelman Worldwide and Fleischmann Hillard, that really introduced me to the world of business to business communications. Uh, I moved on into the professional services realm uh, at IBM uh, Information Security Services and then uh, at Accenture. And then landed a job, really another career pivot for me after spending so much time in the B2B and technology space, uh, made a career pivot into financial services. There was a, an opening at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. It was, it was for someone to help them communicate their technology mission and vision and uh, landed that job and, and then turned it into something bigger. I, I ended up staying there 11 years uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange also runs the New York Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade. So I had a whole education into the global commodities and financial services world. Spent four of those 11 years in London, uh, helping them build out their brand and their reputation outside of the United States. 
and then moved back to New York uh, for a role at Bloomberg, uh, uh, pushing uh, out the um, all of the messaging and communications around the terminal. And uh, that led me to a job at NASDAQ where I spent five years uh, building out a communications team there, media relations, internal communications, uh, social media. And I got a call from a headhunter who had said, hey, I've got this perfect job for you. Your background really fits fits this organization and this law firm really well. And of course, I think we've all gotten that call from a, from a headhunter. So I, I decided to take it. And we had a really great conversation about Vincent and Elkins, uh, what they uh, wanted to achieve, where they their vision was going, um, the growth of the firm and the various practice groups. And, and he really threaded the needle, uh, to use a cliche on my experience and uh, uh, working in London, my capital markets experience, my experience in the energy markets. And uh, so I, I decided to go through the interview process. Uh, and after, oh goodness, six, seven, eight, I lost count out of the number of interviews I had. It really became clear to me that it was a great place, great people, and they wanted to do bigger things. And I, I was extremely interested in it. Fortunately enough, they, uh, as much as I, I took a risk in, in leaving the capital markets and, and moving over to a law firm, they, they, were, uh, they also took a risk on me. Uh, and I know it was a, a two-way street and uh, it worked out extremely well. Uh, I, I love what the firm is doing. Uh, I love uh, the passion they have for culture and um, you know, their belief in me really made, made a difference. So you know, I run uh, the media relations team, the internal communications team, which which really there was no internal communications function at the firm um, from a from a formal uh, standpoint. And then digital brand uh, rankings, and um, and that's that's where we are today. Wow, that <laughs> sounds like um, they didn't take a risk at all with that with that resume. Um, I think most people would. Uh, to bite your hand off um, for that for that sort of history on the, on the CV. Um, it also sounds like in terms of your role and, and title, um, doing the homework on Vincent and Elkins, it's quite a unique setup um, because you guys, I was on a live podcast yesterday um, with, with uh, the uh, Michael Reinerwesser from BTI Consulting, and it was all about, you know, talking about the role of the CMO, lateral hires and, and what that looks like now you guys don't have a CMO, right? So you have these two chief roles, chief B chief business development officer, chief innovation officer, and your own chief communications officer role. What, what do you think the key to getting those roles to blend together and work successfully is? Yeah, that's a good point. We, we don't have a CMO. And I, I noticed in listening to previous podcasts you've done um, and having other CMOs on, you know, I think we we are definitely unique in that aspect, but I don't think it it clearly doesn't hinder us or, or what we do. Um, I work very closely with the chief business development officer, Randy Rebazor, and our chief innovation officer, Aubrey Bashai. I think the three of us have a really um, you know, from a relationship standpoint, I would say the core of it is we really trust each other. All of us feel like we own the marketing component to Vincent and Elkins. 
we we are not territorial. We we work really closely together. We're consistently bouncing ideas off each other. Um, I'm fortunate enough that Aubrey is located in New York. I get down to Houston enough, and and Randy gets up to New York enough that I see Randy. Um, the three of us are uh, you know regularly speaking with each other, and you know we function as sort of one team, I think, uh, not three separate operations. So where Aubrey might be running uh, from an innovation standpoint on an AI project or with a vendor, you know, she'll loop myself and Randy in and we'll talk about the various components and how we can use that internally and externally from a positioning standpoint. And then Randy, from the business development standpoint, there's a number of pieces of content that overlaps with my team. It's a very nice Venn diagram where we can work together and think about all of the aspects, uh, whether it's a CRM initiative um, and getting potential leads and contacts through JD Supra or um, just um, getting uh, contacts in from the website. Um, and so there is just this underlying relationship built on trust that, that works really well. I view both of them as my own mentors, having been at the firm only three years and coming in, I uh, I, I need them both uh, from a standpoint of just understanding where we're going. And I think that they both, um, you know, view me with my experience as something that's just very different and I have a different perspective and it just, it works really well. The way you talk that through makes absolute sense. Um, you know, you've actually got... You've got peers that you can a rely on that you trust and then of course you can bounce ideas off well and i think we often hear you know actually being a cmo on your own is can be quite a lonely a lonely experience again we've heard sometimes you don't have a route in as a cmo to managing partner on a regular basis and, and I, I suppose you you having that layer where you've got three chiefs that you can talk to yeah really i can see the really powerful impact of that. Um, yeah, I, I like to think, Will, you know, my own view that, you know, nothing sits in a silo, right? So you might have a, whether it's a piece of content or an event or an initiative with a vendor, it just doesn't sit by itself. So the fact that Aubrey, Randy, and I can just stay so connected and really rely on one another just, just builds on that relationship that the three of us have. Getting more specific to your area of expertise, which it sounds like it's grown even more being being at VE, how is the role of communications in law firms sort of evolving and how how's the landscape changed? Yeah, I will um I will use my nearly three years of experience in the industry, uh tongue in cheek, uh to sort of step back and think about you know, how I've used law firms and worked with law firms at other jobs and then and then um, where I see it evolving. I, I don't think anybody's gonna be surprised, but the growth and importance of the legal sector has really just given the rise to more eyeballs on the industry itself. Um, there's more pressure to recruit talent. There's more focus on the brand and differentiation. And there's certainly more of an emphasis on protecting and promoting the firm's reputation. So all of those factors coming together really are placing more of an emphasis on the role of communications, both internal and external. 
So my view is, you know, having that trusted advisor internally, and I think this is where Vincent and Elkins had that sort of um, vision when they were recruiting for this job. Um, they could see that and knew that, you know, the industry itself was evolving. And so I, I think that firms that get it, get it. And they understand that communication really is being woven throughout the fabric of a firm and its clients and its partners. And then I think the other thing that people clearly don't see that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to have an inside view on for, for everything you see externally that a law firm is doing, there's probably, I don't know, 5x as much activity happening internally, um, whether it's through various meetings, communications, um, cross-selling efforts. Um, and, and so there's uh, there is a need internally as much as there is a need externally from the communications front. Yeah, I suppose that fits in with some of the other podcasts I've done where, you know, lots of lots of CMOs or marketing teams treat partners as a client. So there's different comms that need to go internally. And then there's obviously the client on the outside as well. So, yeah, absolutely. What you're saying there fits in. With lots of lots of other um cmo comments um you talked about culture you talked about having these eight interviews um and and straight away well not straight away but you over those eight interviews you sort of had a good grip on these are great people this is a good firm they're going places so i suppose what you're talking about is culture there um weaving that in what what sort of key projects um when you came to the firm did you want to get started uh straight away or and what ones have you sort of how have you got on the back burner? You know, they're moving down the line. Yeah, I, I had I had some great advice when I started from uh, from some of the, the key partners. And it was really take your time and listen. Take a couple of months, work your way around the firm, get to know the people, their practice areas. You know, don't get off to a, a sprint start here. And um, that advice was was well heated. I made sure I did a a, a strong listening tour. And my main focus really was just to get to know the firm inside and out. Um, and that also included talking with external people that worked with the firm and um, getting their viewpoint, because I think that that was just as important. And then so having completed, I wouldn't say completed that, because I, I, in some ways, I still feel like I'm doing that. I think that's part of our job as communicators is to constantly have our finger on the pulse of the firm. But it was after a couple of months, it was really starting to shift into more thought leadership mode. And how can we start and how can I help the firm start to build out content and position the lawyers, not just as great lawyers, but I have this view and I, I, I talk about this internally often about, look, our lawyers are some of the smartest business professionals in the world. They're not just smart lawyers. Um, they are needed by businesses to help them solve problems around infrastructure and technology and risk and energy. Um, so having that lens, it really, really moved me into more thought leadership um, initiatives. And that's where we started to focus on. And, and I started working more with Randy and Aubrey and others on building out thought leadership content. And we have, so we have a really great strategy now and, and pipeline of of how we look at content and look at it a little bit differently. Um, 
And then I also would say that I had a couple of attorneys, thankfully, who who I didn't interview with, but were excited to have me on board because of my experience that really took me under their wing and wanted to work with me on their own sort of thought leadership. And that also helped sort of catapult me internally of showcasing what we could do and how I could help attorneys position them, not just again within the legal press, but within the business press. And that sort of just grew from there. And we've um, we've really now built out a strong sort of ecosystem of content when we when we get ideas or we think about how we can help a practice group. Elements of your answer there have sort of answered a bit of my next question, but I wondered if you could maybe dive a bit deeper in terms of when, you, when you're bringing a project like that with thought leadership, with um, building the brand of a, a practice group or an individual attorney, um, how, how do you go about demonstrating the value that you're bringing, you know, especially to the to the senior leadership when you're, when you're doing something like that? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm a big believer that value is really different to everybody. Uh, it could mean more web traffic to uh, an attorney's profile, could be more traffic to a, a specific LinkedIn post that we're trying to focus on. It could be gathering more potential client leads and contact details. Um, it could be meaning, you know, just winning business, getting in a, a new pitch proposal. There's a lot of ways to look at value. So I don't have a silver bullet per se on what value is because it means so many different things to so many different people. Now, now the way you know I, I look at it is you have to you have to measure things in order to manage them. And if if you're not measuring things by any number of ways, it's difficult to manage. So every month, um, I work closely with my team. We send out a one page graphic, a visual graphic and uh, three to four bullet points analysis of the things that we've accomplished for the firm and the various practice groups for the previous month. That goes to the entire business development team, the marketing services team, as well as to our executive committee. And then on an annual basis, we gather and aggregate all that information so then I can look back and I can tell you, and we build out an in infographic that we send around to the firm. I can tell you our top 10 spokespeople. I can tell you our top 10 publications we went to. I know that um, last year, for instance, we had almost a 40% increase in time spent on the website. I can tell you we have a 75% plus open rate on our newsletters that we send around internally on average. We had a 40% increase in chambers rankings over the last two years. Like, I have data on data on data that I can continue to go to and look at. And when I meet with my leadership team on a biweekly basis, we, we talk about these things. We talk about what, what metrics matter, what they're hearing, what they wanna, um, what do they wanna look at a little bit deeper. And we know that the value component does come somewhat from the data, but it also, you have to look at understanding what's working and more importantly, what's not working. So we try a lot of things. We continually look at the data. We get feedback. Um, so it's a long way of answering where you get value from and how you demonstrate it. It's going to be different to different people, but I love having just this whole visual view of the landscape of what we're doing. And then we can decide where we want to go forward from there. 
Yeah, it makes absolute sense. Um, you always need the data as well, I suppose, to your point, to back back it up with certain partners. Uh, we often get, you know, that as feedback that, that partners need data now. Um, but to your point, some some like the anecdotal stuff as well. So I suppose you need a lot in your toolkit to, to show that value. Um, in terms of achievements, um, and I imagine you've had quite a few over your career, in your specific role at VE, what would you pick out as your greatest achievements? It doesn't need to be a single one, but are there any that spring to mind? You know, we have done some really interesting things um, from, as I mentioned earlier, right, not having a formal internal communications uh, function. Um, that to me is a, is, a, is a big achievement and all of the things we've been able to do in the last couple of years pushing ourselves on digital content and doing more and more with digital. I think that that really is crucial to our future growth as well. But I think the one thing I'm probably most proud of because it involves so many people. And again, I'll go back to like, I love seeing people win is really our focus on and work around culture. You know, I go back to my interviews um, and how I talked about it was a great cultural fit. I could just sort of tell from the, the energy and the vibe I had from the discussions, there was always a lot of talk about how culture is great at the firm. And if you go around and you could probably look at various um, law firm websites, they all talk about culture. So I really wanted to do more around what this means. What, it, what is culture? Why is it different? Or why is it so unique at Vincent and Elkins? And we did... Um, um, the talent team and HR team did a firm-wide survey of everybody uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, it was the first time we had done it. And there were some great insights that came back from that. Um, a lot of positive things that reinforced what we were doing. So then from there, it was a matter of, okay, let's put fingers to the keyboard. And a number of us started working on, okay, what does all this mean? Where are our pillars for success? What makes us different, what makes us unique. And we worked with the executive committee and all of this, I would say, you know, this is not an overnight project by any means. So if people are gonna tackle culture, um, you know, I would say buckle up. It's, it's, it's a long process it's, that's gonna take some, um, some lengthy conversations. It took us about eight to 10 months of really asking some hard questions, um, a lot of wordsmithing. Um, what does this look like? How can, how can we, um, integrate this. Does this does this sound like us? And we got to a really good point. And we we came to a solution. We call it what connects us. And there were four key pillars around that about you know really committing to client excellence, being comfortable with complexity, uh, succeeding as a team, and you know caring about the people in the communities where we work. And then we made sure it wasn't just about attorneys. This was for everybody. And that's the other thing I loved about it. It was really an all-encompassing exercise of, you know, what do we want to be as a firm and how do we want to work together with all colleagues? And then that doesn't stop there, right? There's there's really three things about culture that make a big difference and make it really work. And one, it has to be leadership-driven, so top, so top-down. So having the executive committee buy in on it and work on it meant a lot to me. Uh, behaviors across the firm, from practice group leaders, the business professionals leaders, you know, we have to act uh, in the way that we say we're going to act and then communicating that. So we're, 
We've been for the last several months looking at all of our content, uh, recruiting, website, even um, uh, in the interviews we do with media, and, you know, how can we weave in and integrate some of these, some of this messaging? So it's been a huge project, uh, but something I'm really proud of, and it really impacts everybody at the firm. Sounds like a, a really interesting project. And then with that culture survey, Alan, there's the idea that you now is that going to be a yearly thing where you just sort of top it up and evolve evolve the culture uh, on a regular basis? Or how does how will that work? Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to do it annually, um, but I, I do know there is an appetite to do it uh, regularly. So whether that is in every other year or every two years, um, I, I know that the, the insights from that were really um, important to the leadership at the firm and, um, you know, understanding where we are and what people um, are, are thinking of in terms of our own brand and our internal expectations. A nice, easy, quick fire round that our listeners seem to love um, and participants. So I'm going to I'm going to kick it off. Um, what's your favorite business and non-business book at the moment? All right. I read a lot. So this is this is this is tough. Um, I had to choose two books. Well, I, I, I would say my favorite business focused book is probably Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, you know, best-selling author. Most of your listeners are probably familiar with it, but just the whole idea and power of small habits um, transforming the way you um, take on insights and and do your do your job, I think, is a really powerful powerful message, and uh, it's a great book. And then. Let's see, non-business, I, I, again, I had trouble choosing one. I would say uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, I, I enjoy reading about philosophy and stoicism, and uh, there's probably no better book uh, or author that delves into the topic. What was your first job? Oh, boy. Uh, don't, don't laugh, but let's see. My, my first job was at a car dealership. Uh, out of college, I uh, I love this story. Uh, I won't. I, I'll I'll shorten it. But essentially, I had a number of issues with a car I had bought from the from the dealership, and I got to know uh, so many people there from coming in. The manager and I uh, talked for for a number of times, and she ended up offering me a job as a community relations manager, and uh, that was kind of my big first foray into marketing and communications. Always the communicator as well. I'm not mentioning the name of the car dealership. Um, Correct. Um, what makes you happy at work? I would say what really drives me and, and makes me enjoy my job is helping other people succeed. So whether you're leading a practice and we can get you a great feature story or we can get great results on a post that you've pushed out on LinkedIn or you're you know on my team and we're trying to run through a problem and fix something or look at something differently I really really enjoy helping others succeed and find solutions perfect and what are you listening to at the moment? Are you are you the same with your books as you are with music, podcasts, audiobooks? Ah, uh, very uh, very intuitive. That's that's correct. <laughs> Which is why uh, Spotify has this great feature called the Daily Drive, 
And on my train ride into work and uh, back to the to my house uh, after work, the Daily Drive serves up uh, regular podcasts um, and some unique podcasts that I might not have checked out, as well as music I enjoy and maybe music I might enjoy. So it's this nice little algorithm delivering me both uh, audio content of podcasts and music that I enjoy. So I I uh, I get a nice a variety of things that I listen to on a daily basis. Nice. Much easier than trying to uh, sift through the CD collection that I used to have to do. Um, where is, you're traveling a lot, where, where's your favorite place to visit and, and why? I have been fortunate throughout my career that I have traveled to a lot of places, but I would say right now in, in my life, uh, where I enjoy traveling the most is where I am today in London. Uh, having lived here for four years, uh, knowing so many people here, having some great friendships, coming back and being able to navigate the city very easily uh, and uh, and just being able to see people that I enjoy spending time with is really important to me. And as we mentioned earlier, obviously the the, the listeners won't be able to see this, but you brought the sunshine as well, which always makes um, any city better, Alan. And anytime I can help. Remember, I love helping people succeed, Will. So if it's uh, sunshine that I bring, I love it. Keep bringing it. Okay. It pains me to say, because this has really flown by, which means we've been having a lot of fun. Um, it's the last question. So question I always ask, what is your one piece of advice for communications professionals working within law firms? All right, so I can't just give one will. I'll give, <laughs> but I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll break it down. <laughs> well, the, I'll do one for the individual and then one for the individual looking at the firm. So for me, like my, my, my own personal experience and my own, the only way I work is I, I'm an extremely curious person. I, I want to know how things work. Um, I think curiosity is a key trait that contributes to a number of things around the effectiveness of communications, and there's no lack of things to be curious about, whether it's a practice group, whether it's um, artificial intelligence, whether it's um, the broader economy and how those things are impacting our clients. Like I, I read and consume a lot of things. I'm just a naturally curious person. I want to ask a lot of questions and understand things, and I'm not afraid to admit what I don't know. So I think curiosity can be really a game changer for someone in communication. You just have to be in order to understand what you need to do. And then I guess for the from the firm perspective, I, what I mean by that is, that, again, I would go back to the relationship I have with Aubrey and Randy. It's all about connecting the dots. And that's, you know, as a communications profession, we sit at the center of everything that's happening at the firm, internally and externally. So how are you making those connections um, attorney to attorney, practice group to practice group, attorney to reporter, um, you know, uh, digital content to printed content. Like there's a number of ways that you can make things happen just by sharing information and getting other people involved that goes a long way to building your own credibility, but also building the brand and reputation of the firm. I knew you wouldn't pick just one thing, but so insightful. Alan, 
It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. This is going to be a superb episode and I, I'm sure our listeners are going to be um, all over this when we share it to, to LinkedIn and our channel. So thank you so much for giving your time. Yeah, thank you again, Will. Uh, really appreciate it. Maybe next time I'm in London, we can go for a run. We didn't even mention your running and looking at your times and how far you run, Alan, there's no way. <laughs> you can cycle next to me and I'll run next to you. <laughs> Maybe that's a <the> deal. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you.